0: This is episode 551 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Sealed Foods That Last Forever. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the HydroBlue Versaflow water filter. Now the Versaflow is one of the most versatile water filters currently made. Not only can you use it for your personal water filter needs, but you can use it to create a family-sized water filter. Now with the possibility of filtering up to 100,000 gallons, the Versaflow could filter one gallon of water for each family member for many, many years. So to make it easy for you, I have created a free video and PDF tutorial that shows you how to easily turn the Versaflow into a family-sized water filter. Right now, you can have this family-sized water filter for under $25. So to watch the video, get the free PDF tutorial, and the code for 20% off of the Versaflow, click the link in the show notes or visit prepperwebsite.com forward slash Versaflow. Hey everyone, before we jump into our article of the podcast, I want to just visit some of these comments that were left on the website. So recently we talked a little bit about ham radio and ham radio prep. And one of the questions or one of the things that came up is that you're not very anonymous when you you know get a ham radio license, you go into a database. And so SM left a comment on that episode. He says, Hi Todd, a few answers to some questions you had regarding the registration book access, your registered address, and who can access it. So all hams are registered via the FCC as such all hams are searchable by anyone via the FCC website. If you want to stay as anonymous as possible, you will need to initially register with a P.O. box and maintain that box. I believe if you ever register a physical address, you can no longer change to a P.O. Box. Now, most states have a vanity plate DMV option for hams, where you can have your call sign as your license with a little lightning bolt icon. The problem is if someone has your call sign, they can look up your address via the FCC website, hence why I have not done so myself. Hope that answers some of your questions. You can be anonymous, but you need to do it up front as a P.O. Box and maintain it. All right, so SM thanks so much for leaving that information there if anyone is thinking about you know getting their ham radio license and wants to you know be as anonymous as possible. There's some good advice there. And then Quentin left in or left a question on the episode where we talked about will you lose your food and I talked a little bit about doing getting an inverter and his question was wouldn't it be cheaper to run a small generator engine? than a big vehicle engine to run your inverter for your fridges. And so, uh, yes, but there's some caveats here, right? So first of all, you have to purchase the small, you know, the the small generator. And if you're buying a small generator, it's almost, it's not that much more expensive to go ahead and buy a bigger generator. But if you're just wanting a small generator to run your, your refrigerator and your freezer and things like that, okay, fine. All right. So you you have that. You got to keep up maintenance on that. You got to do all that kind of stuff. So generators are not bad. I completely love generators. I think they're a good idea. I think everyone should have one for emergencies. The problem, though, is that you have to store the gas. And so you wind up storing, you know, if you're talking about 30 gallons of gasoline, you're looking at six you know five gallon buckets you know and a, and a lot of the times people don't want to store that type of gas you know you store that and then you forget about it if you're not being uh you know proactive about switching it out it can go bad on you right even if you add additives to it and that kind of stuff you know it prolongs its life but you've got to be pretty proactive the reason why you want to do an inverter is because you have a you know a humongous gas tank in most vehicles right or at least, you know, most like, for instance, I have a truck, I have a big gas tank there. So the cost of the upfront costs that I might have in dealing with, you know, having power so that I can save the things in my refrigerator and my freezer are going to be very, very small compared to buying a generator, buying gas cans, buying gas, and then switching that all out. I can have an inverter and just have it in my garage. And if I need it, I plug it up. And then I'm, I'm good to go so that's why you would want an inverter not only that a lot of the times when for instance hurricanes are coming uh it's pretty crazy down here in houston because we've experienced so many and power outages and things like that you know the stores will be wiped out of generators so a lot of the times if you waited and you know you of course I'm talking to the choir here, right? I'm preaching to the choir. Most of y'all are going to be prepared way in advance for something like this, but sometimes people wait and they have, you know, all the generators are, are gone. And so they want something to be able to keep their food, you know, if they need to, you know, if they lose power and stuff like that. So going to the store, going to Harbor Freight, you know, I've talked about this one. The inverter that I have is from Harbor Freight and it was like the first inverter that I ever bought and the sucker still works and I think it's like a 750 watt maybe a thousand watt you need again if you haven't listened to that episode you want to go back and listen to it you need enough wattage so that when the refrigerator surges when it first comes on it surges and then it comes back down so you need enough wattage for the compressor to turn on and and go from there But that's one of the reasons why you would want an inverter versus you know the generator where you have to have the upkeep on it, you gotta purchase it, you have to, you know, even a small generator can run you easily $250, 300 dollars And I think that Harbor Freight inverter that I bought was like $79. And then you can use it in so many different ways, right? Right. So anyway, so you got the, the generator cost, you've got the gas cans, you've got the gas that you gotta buy, and you gotta rotate all that out. So there's advantages and disadvantages, but that was the reason why the inverter came up. Uh, you might not have the space for it. You might live in an apartment. You might live in a small townhome. You might live in a small house that doesn't have a lot of storage. And the storage that you do have, you can't, you know, give that up to, you know, having six five-gallon uh, cans of, of gas, right? Because I tell you, like during Ike, you couldn't find gas either. So people were, were using, using generators and stuff like that, and they were having to travel far to get gas for their generators. So until things you know got a little bit better, but there was a couple of days there, so you've, you're going to have to stock the gas. So anyway, that's my two cents there. If anyone has any more or any, any further comments to add, I welcome you to come on over to the episode, Will You Lose Your Food? So let's go ahead and jump into our article. Speaking of food, that's a good transition. Let's go ahead and jump into our article. It comes to us from askaprepper.com. Again, the title is Sealed Foods That Last Forever. You know, a lot of the times as preppers, we want to have food, long term food storage. We know that that's important. Um, If we can afford it, we'll buy the long term food storage, like, you know, we'll purchase from Legacy Foods, right? That's pretty good long term food storage. But for the most part, a lot of us are kind of like, hey, you know, we're, we're into this preparedness thing. We want to make sure that we uh, can have food for our family. That If there's ever a crisis, we have that uh, and we have that available to us right now. Maybe we can't afford to drop a whole lot of money on freeze-dried or dehydrated food. So we build our own food storage. We build our own buckets, right? And so I've always said the first You know the first thing that you should do when you're building your food storage is, you know, go with cans that you buy from the grocery store. That should be your first line of, I I guess, for lack of a better term, defense when you're talking about food storage, right? That should be your first step uh, when you when you're building your food storage. The second one is using mylar bags and oxygen absorbers and plastic buckets, and that's more where this article winds up at. And so let's go ahead and start reading again, sealed foods that last forever. It's coming to us from askaprepper.com. It seems as if the beginning and ending of prepping is stockpiling food. I say that because that's how almost all of us start out. And it's something we keep on doing even after most of our preps are done. Now with no sure idea of how long we're going to have to survive off of our stockpile, it just seems to make sense to keep letting it build even past what we originally intended. Yet at the same time that we keep adding to our stockpiles, there is a concern about whether all that food will last. As it comes from the supermarket, most foods won't last long. So we tend to repackage much of what we buy, making sure that bacteria, insects, and rodents can't get to them. Now, Properly packaged, there are actually a number of foods which will last much longer than you'd expect. Of course a lot of this has to do with how well we package and store these foods. Proper packaging needs to be airtight and critter proof. Removing the oxygen from the package can help as insects need oxygen to survive, just like we do. Dry foods have to be really dry without any chance of moisture contaminating them, so it can be worthwhile to add silica desiccant packages. But all this is within the realm of possibility, even at times within the realm of factory packaging, so that we don't have to repackage it. Don't forget that when they dug up the tombs of the Egyptian pharaohs and the Mayan kings, they found food that had been buried hundreds or even thousands of years ago. While much of it was lost, there were still some that had survived all those years, mostly grains. And those ancient people managed to do that without our modern methods of packaging and storing food. So how did they do it? To start with, they started with dry foods because bacteria can't survive in a dry environment. They need a moist environment to live. Then they put those foods in sealed containers where insects and rodents couldn't get to them. Those same keys will work for us even better because we've got better containers and better technology than they did. So what sorts of foods can we package and expect them to still be good 10, 20, or even 30 years from now? First up is baking soda. Now, unlike baking powder, which doesn't last for a prolonged period of time, baking soda will last a lifetime. The only thing you've really got to watch out for is that it doesn't get wet. As long as you can protect it from moisture, it can't go bad. Granted, you can't bake everything with just baking soda, but if you take some time looking in the recipe books, you can find lots that you can do with it, even if you don't have baking powder to use. And so there is a link here, baking soda, 112 uses. Then there's grains. Many sorts of grains will keep indefinitely if they are packaged to protect them from moisture, insects, and rodents. In ancient times, they did this with clay pots. Today, we can do it with aluminized mylar bags and plastic buckets and add oxygen absorbers and most of those grains will be just as good in 20 years as they are today. Okay, so I don't know why they added aluminized mylar bags to, you know, in front of mylar bags because of, of course mylar tends to be, you know, those foil type packages. But anyway, this article tended to do that. That's the first time I've ever seen that. All right, continuing on. Unprocessed, unground grains are best for long-term storage. Oatmeal is actually one of the best, not instant oatmeal, but the original rolled oats. While that will take longer to cook, it will provide you with a wholesome, nutritious breakfast. Now white rice is actually better for long-term storage than brown rice is as long as you follow the same process of putting it in mylar bags inside a five gallon plastic bucket. Okay, so I didn't read "aluminized" there. <laughs> anyway, so there is a link again, how to build a 44 day stockpile for only $2.40 a day. Next up, popcorn. One grain that you may not think of is popcorn. Actually, much of the grain found in the tombs of those kings was dried corn. While I doubt they had microwave popcorn back then, corn was often ground for making various kinds of breads and tortillas. You might want to have a hand cranked grain mill to go with your popcorn and other grains so that you can use it for baking. That will be easier to work with than the stone grinding they did and not leave chips of stone in your meal. So next, pasta in a bucket. As it comes from the store, pasta will keep on the shelf for about a year. That's mostly because it's not all that attractive to bugs and bacteria. But left that way, it will supposedly go bad eventually. To keep it for the amount of time we're talking about, something more needs to be done with it, like putting it in <laughs> I'm gonna say it, a luminized mylar bag with the air sucked out of it, inside a five gallon plastic bucket. Stored like that, pasta will just last till sometime in the next century. You can actually buy pasta already packaged this way as Quote unquote survival food, or you can do it yourself. If you want a variety in your pastas' shapes, and who doesn't, then you're probably better off packaging your own. Next up is going to be salt. If you've done any food preserving, such as canning or drying food, you've run across salt as one of nature's preservatives. It draws moisture out of food through osmosis. This kills bacteria, which needs a moist environment to survive. So you can imagine what a pure salt environment would do to those bacteria. The only thing you really have to protect salt from is moisture. Go back to the buckets again. And then again, there's another link here. What is your favorite food to stockpile? Then there's cane sugar. Like salt, sugar is a natural preservative, although it is normally only used for preserving fruit. Like salt, it needs to be protected from moisture, but it also needs to be protected from insects, as many insects love sugar. Ants will go to great lengths to get to it if the packaging isn't strong enough to keep them out. So a bag like the aluminized Mylar bags I mentioned isn't enough as ants can get through. This is one place you really need that plastic bucket with a good seal. All right, so with that good seal there, I'm going to come back to talking about plastic buckets and Mylar bags and all that kind of stuff here at the very end. And so just hang tight with me. Uh, There's some things I want to say there. All right, and then we have beans So dried beans of all sorts are one of those staples eaten around the world. There are a large variety of beans or legumes sold on the market, some of which you may not be familiar with. Some can even be ground into flour for baking with. Chickpeas, for example, are ground in the Middle East for making a variety of dishes. Make sure you stock up on good recipes for using your bean hoard, especially if you are stockpiling beans that you aren't used to eating. As with grains, beans don't come from the grocery store package for long-term storage. You'll need to repackage them in aluminized mylar bags inside of five-gallon plastic buckets. But once you do, they'll keep a good 30 years. So I've been asked before, hey, you know, so my, uh, I've got family members that need to eat gluten-free. So if I am storing, you know, oats and, and grains and stuff like that, that I'm going to grind up to make bread, you know, what are they going to do? And one of the things is, you know, that they can grind up, you can grind up beans and you can have, you know, bean flour, you can make bean flour and you can use that if you have family members that need to eat gluten-free. You know, the last thing you want is to have a family member who is in constant pain because they're having to eat food that their body won't take. So anyway, that's one of those things that you can do. And I just wanted to throw that out. There are you know, there are, uh, dehydrated foods, you know, freeze dried foods out there. I know legacy foods has a, uh, you know, has a line of gluten free, but if you're doing it yourself, you can do beans and you can, you know, make flour from that. So anyway, just uh, thought I'd throw that in there. So next up is honey. Like sugar, honey will keep forever, but you need to make sure that you have pure honey. Some brands of honey, especially those which come from China, add fillers you're better off buying honey that is stored in glass containers rather than plastic as the chemicals from the plastic can actually leach into the honey. So honey also has medicinal properties. So there's more than one reason to stockpile it, but you really shouldn't give honey to children under five as it isn't good for them. All right. So one of the things about honey is you want to find localized honey. If you want to use it for in teas and for the reasons of for allergies and things like that, because the, you want the natural pollen that is local to your area to be infused into that honey. Right. And I don't even know if infused is the right word, but you, you want the bees pulling pollen from, you know, the local flowers and stuff so that you can have that benefit uh, for, you know, for allergies and things like that. So, but even, even outside of that, you don't want to go to the grocery store, like the little bear that you can find and stuff. That's not even honey, man. That's just sugar, made to look like honey and you know all that kind of might have like a very small percentage of honey you just don't want to to use that and so you know i think a lot of people especially those that do honey now you know manufacturers whatever they put it out their suppliers they they'll say they'll write down local honey like for instance yeah here in texas it'll say local texas honey well what the heck does that mean you know texas is, is really big so i can be in houston and it can be like you know honey from el paso but it's not hard to find someone in your area that has honeybees and, and that sells local honey. You know, we have, you know, people pop up on corners all over the place here, uh, where, where I live. And so it's not too hard to find people that are selling local honey. If you can find like, you know, uh, a bee club or, you know, somebody that, uh, that that's doing that, they can always hook you up. Right and uh you know that's something always good to go g- good to have and it's always good to go because even if it eventually once you open up the jar the honey starts. if you don't eat it right away and we always buy the big jars, so this always winds up happening to us it starts to crystallize and sometimes it's even easier to use that crystallized honey because you can kind of just you know grab it chip it chip away at it and then throw it into your tea and it's going to melt very very easily And so, uh, you know, you can, you can easily do it that way. So honey is one of those things that lasts forever. All right. So next up is pure maple syrup. So real maple syrup stored in a glass bottle or jar will keep virtually forever. Just like honey will. It is also healthy in that it is loaded with vitamin D. The key to keeping it for a prolonged period of time is keeping it in a sealed container. Once the container has been opened, it will start to crystallize. So, maple syrup starts to crystallize just like honey. All right, next up is powdered milk. The powdered milk you find in the grocery store isn't really ideal for long-term storage. Not only is it not packaged to keep for a long time, but the milk itself isn't prepared properly for long-term storage. However, you can buy buckets of powdered milk that are properly prepared for long-term storage, which you can count on keeping good for 20 years or more. So just a note here, some of the survival food companies package powdered milk for long-term storage. So you have to buy it from them, not the grocery store. All right, guys. So I'll be honest with you. I don't have any other information on powdered milk that is, I guess, packaged from, you know, the, I guess, survival food companies versus what you get from the grocery store. I can't believe it's that much different. Uh, I can't believe it's the packaging is going to going to add that much more to it, but I might be wrong. So if anybody has information on that, come on over to this episode again, like always, I link to the episode to the website, you know, in the show notes. And so you can easily come over and then drop me a line and let me know if, you know, if you know, do they package powdered milk, you know, do long-term uh, food companies, survival food companies, you know, whatever, do they, pow- do they uh, package it differently than you would? And not, I'm sorry, not that they package it differently. Of course they package it differently. Is it a different product? Is there something in the powdered melt that causes it to last longer? Or is it just because they package it maybe like in a number 10 can with some, you know, and they throw in an oxygen absorber or something like that. So if you have any information on that, feel free to pass that along. Alright, next, cacao. The Mayans prized cacao as a food of the gods. It was considered to have incredible health benefits for those who ate it. It's useful to energize you in addition to its wonderful flavor. It will also keep virtually forever, especially when properly sealed away in buckets. Then there's freeze dried coffee. Any true coffee snob will tell you that coffee needs to be fresh to be good. While the rest of us might not notice if the coffee we use to make ourselves our our morning cup was a couple of months old, we would if it was a couple of years old. However, freeze-dried coffee will keep virtually forever without changing. And one of the first foods ever freeze-dried is coffee, and it's still one of the best. All right, so I would prefer green coffee over freeze-dried coffee. Uh, I haven't seen freeze-dried coffee in a long time. I mean, I know that they, they make it, but I guess I've always looked for the green coffee beans. And so you can buy green coffee beans in bulk and then roast it yourself. And if you've never done that, man, I tell you, it's some great coffee. And so anyway, you can, the green coffee beans will last forever. They'll last for a long time, especially if you store them correctly. And then you can open them up. And I know that, you know, there's been uh, companies like uh, back in the day, I've purchased them that they'll have green uh green coffee beans inside of you know like number 10 cans or whatever and then you open them up and then you start to roast them and you, and you grind them down and you use that and uh, again like i said some of the best coffee that i've ever had when you do it like that cuz you can make the beans as dark as you want or you know and you what i what i wound up doing is i made one that's really dark and one that's kind of a medium blend and kind of just mixed it together Like I said, it was, it was great. I'm just thinking about it now. Like I want to go make myself some coffee, but that might be better for you. If you, you know, if you're somebody who really truly loves their coffee, then freeze dried coffee, but I don't know, you might want to try it out and it might be easier just to stockpile freeze dried coffee and not have to go through roasting your coffee and, you know, grinding it up and all that kind of stuff. But that's one of those things that if the poop really hit the fan, That you would have to be smart about and look at how much coffee you have and start to wean yourself off of it. Because if not, you're going to go through some nasty withdrawals, right? All right. And then next, uh, we got two more, right? Next up is tea. Like coffee, tea will keep well for a prolonged period of time. But in this case, the tea leaves themselves can be kept rather than needing it freeze dried. The only thing needed for keeping it safe is to keep it in a moisture proof container. And the cool thing about tea is that if if you can grow, you know, there's so many different herbs that you can grow and you can use those as tea, uh, right? And so uh, th- that's another cool thing. And then lastly, soy sauce, right? So for all that rice that you're stockpiling, you might want to have, you know, some soy sauce for a couple of different dishes. Here it goes. Believe it or not, soy sauce will keep indefinitely. It is a fermented food, which makes it impossible for it to go bad. Some other condiments. Are also fermented like Worcestershire sauce, so they will keep indefinitely too. The key here, though, is that it has to be in glass bottles, as the chemicals in plastic will leach into the food if kept long enough. All right, so that's the last one, guys. There is uh, there's a lot of other stuff too that will last for long periods of time, and so I'd like to throw these out at you because if you're making, you know, you're if you're deciding on what you want for your long-term food pantry and maybe you're planning that out, you can add different things to it and uh, different things that you might not realize. Hey, you know what? This is going to last for a long, long period of time. The idea is to, you know, people talk about food fatigue and stuff like that. Find different recipes, you know, find different things that you can do with beans and different things that you can do with rice and different things that you can do with you know, with uh, rolled oats and, and, you know, stuff like that, you know, all the way from grinding stuff down to, you know, making bread, making tortillas, making all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can make all different kinds of things there. And so that's the key is to have different recipes so you don't get that food fatigue. And then also having the different seasonings. Seasonings is a big deal. A little bit of seasoning will go a long way, you know, to season some of these foods here. All right. So let me talk a little bit about the <laughs> aluminized mylar bags uh, and oxygen absorbers. So in reality, you do not need buckets, right? When you're talking about long-term food storage, the mylar bags with the oxygen absorbers, when you put that in there, and so if you've ever seen it, it will seal up. So if you if you do it like one day and and you seal it all up and whatever, and you come back to it, it will, it will be all the air will be sucked out of it and it will just be like one hard, I don't know, you know, mylar bag, right? So it'll be one hard uh, flat brick, I guess you can call it that way. So you do need the plastic buckets because the mylar, bu- mylar bags can tear easily. And so that's where the buckets come into play, not because it does anything extra to the food. And I guess the reason I'm saying that is because people will always say, well, you know, like Home Depot buckets are not food grade. You don't need them to be food grade. The plastic buckets are an outer container and really it provides shape to the Mylar bag. And it is an an outer container that is providing protection against that Mylar bag, because although it is, you know, all the air is sucked out or whatever. It is still kind of like, you know, think about one of those foil balloons that you get, you know, when you get a bouquet of balloons. I mean, basically that's what it is. And any, you know, as you're transporting it, as you're putting it into your, as you're putting it into your pantry or your stockpiling or whatever, you're moving it around, they can easily tear into you. So even just a little microscopic tear is enough for bugs and oxygen and ants and all that kind of stuff to get into so, really, the mylar bags are there, and that's what's causing the food not to go bad. But the, the buckets are what pre- are protecting the mylar bags from being cut or busting open or punctured or anything like that. Or even maybe a rat kind of like, I don't know, scratching at it, you know? And so, and going at it from there. So, when they talked about sealing the buckets really well, if you will, like when you go to Home Depot and you look at one of those lids, and you turn it upside down and you look you look at the bottom of the lids it has a rubber gasket on the inside now the first time you use it man this sucker goes down and it goes down good you need one of those five gallon uh you know uh openers can openers to open these up and they're not very expensive i think they're like three five dollars you know on amazon or whatever because if you don't you're going to just rip your hands off you know trying to get these up but they will provide a really, really strong seal up against those buckets. Now, I've seen uh, or I've read articles where people say, you know, hey, you know, you need to have a metal can because, you know, rats and stuff can get into the plastic buckets. Again, I've never seen that before. I'm not saying and denying that rats couldn't dig into a big Home Depot plastic five-gallon bucket if they wanted to, if they really truly wanted to. I just don't know if, if uh, you know that how accurate that is on a grand scale you know has it been done probably but for the most part if you are being pretty adamant about keeping your you know your areas clean and uh, pest free and you you know if you see pests or whatever you see a rat you see a mouse whatever you're putting out traps and stuff like that you're going to be good you know you don't need to go you're you're going to add a lot of cost to your food storage if you start going and buying metal containers for all of that, you know, for all, all of your food storage, you might as well, at that point, go ahead and start buying, you know, long-term food storage, like from Legacy Foods or whatever, because it'll add up very, very quickly. You know, somebody said here, popcorn tends not to use those. I wouldn't use those because those, they're not very sturdy sometimes. And nowadays, you know how we talk about how Packages are getting smaller and smaller. You remember, you used to buy a big popcorn tin for five dollars, and you know it was nice and big. Now they're a lot smaller. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but they're also a little flimsier as well. They're not putting as much, you know, uh, sturdiness to it. And so, I really still believe that those plastic buckets from like Home Depot, with a brand new lid, and you seal that down, you have that rubber mallet, will do more to protect your food storage than. Most anything else out there. I think that's the best way to go. And so that's just my two cents. I think I've been giving a lot of two cents, two cents tonight. All right. So anyway, uh, there are 44 com or 45 comments here. A lot of people were adding, you know, things to it. Someone said, or 46 comments, sorry. Uh, someone said that uh, their sugar, they opened up, uh, you know, a, a five gallon bucket of sugar and it was, it felt like a brick and they really didn't, you know, did weren't sure how to go about it or whatever, you know, they were, weren't sure if they were going to throw it away or not. And then they started chipping away at it. And then really what was, you know, solid was just a top layer. And then as soon as they broke through that top layer, it was all like loose salt on the, bo- or sugar on the bottom. Right. And so somebody else said, yeah, you would never throw that away. If anything, you would just, you know, chip away at it and you know use it that way grade it if you needed to grade it with a with a grater or whatever but it was always good even if it becomes solidified right so um, I have uh, a pool in my backyard and not because I can afford it but my dad was in the pool he owned his own pool business before he retired and so he he built us a pool you know, when the kids were a lot younger and it's a salt pool and so from time to time I'll buy salt and I, you know, if I don't need it all, I'll just kind of have a salt bag left out, and there was one season where I kind of left it out, and it went into wintertime, and then, you know, came back around to the spring, and when I was ready to pour some more salt into the pool, it was hard, you know, it was, it was a brick, so I wound up cutting away at that, you know, at the bag, but then all I did was get a hammer, and I just started, you know, hitting it, and it would just broke into pieces, and there were you know, it wasn't completely, you know, like, you know, loose salt or whatever, but there were pieces that when I, as soon as I threw them into the pool, they completely dissolved. Right. And so, you know, that's one of the things, that's the way I see salt and sugar. If they ever became solidified in a five gallon bucket, that's all I would do is just chip away at it because I wouldn't want to get rid of it. It would be, I mean, at at that point, if you're really digging into it, man, it would be one of those prized, Commodities that you would have, you wouldn't want to get rid of it like that. But anyway, there's a lot of uh, you know comments. Like I said, 46. There's always good wisdom things that people add to the comment sections. That you know you can always learn a lot uh, from that. So don't don't neglect when you go to read articles. Don't neglect comment sections because you can always learn a whole lot from from the comment section. So again, that's over at askprepper.com Again, the title of the article was sealed foods that last forever. Like always. I'm gonna to link to it in the show notes, and you can go check it out and read it. Like, like I said, you know, when I was reading the article, there's a lot of links that you can jump to other things of interest when it comes to long-term food storage. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 551. Hey, to subscribe to the show, you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Remember, we are on Apple Podcast, on Google Play on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere really that you can find podcast. We're going you're going to be able to find the Prepper Website podcast and you can add it to your podcast catcher and listen to it all the time. And we have again 550 other episodes that you can go listen to. I hear from you uh, from listeners all the time like Todd, I'm listening to your current one but I'm also catching up on the older ones as well. And I really do appreciate you guys when y'all, you know, send me those emails and let me know, you know, that the the podcast is a benefit to you. I really do appreciate that. Hey, and don't forget, if you can take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.